Hello and welcome to Plot Trust. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing The Devil and the Heiress by Harper St. George. So this just came out in June of 2021. And full disclosure, we did get a free copy from NetGalley. This is also the second book in the Gilded Age Heiresses series. And we reviewed the last, the first one in the series very recently. So it was only three or four episodes ago, I think. Mm-hmm. So perfect time to move on to the second. Absolutely. Let's start with the jacket. No one would guess that beneath Violet Crenshaw's ladylike demeanor lies the heart of a rebel. American heiresses looking to secure English lords must be on their best behavior, but Violet has other plans. She intends to flee London and the marriage her parents have arranged to become a published author. If only the wickedly handsome Earl who inspired her most outrageously sinful character didn't insist on coming with her. Christian Halston, Earl of Lee, has a scheme of his own. Escort the surprisingly spirited dollar princess North and use every delicious moment in close quarters to convince Violet to marry him. Christian needs an heiress to rebuild his Scottish estate, but the more time he spends with Violet, the more he realizes that what he really needs is her. By his side, near his heart, in his bed. Though Christian's burning glances offer unholy temptation, Violet has no intention of surrendering herself or her newfound freedom in a permanent deal with the devil. It's going to take more than pretty words to prove this fortune hunter's love is true. This is perfectly fine. I like this book jacket, actually. Yeah. I mean, I think the only thing missing is that she's affianced. <laughs> yes, she's that, already like, what's, that's what's, yeah. what's prompting her runaway is her parents trying to marry her off to a piece of shit. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I, I like this. I like this book jacket, actually. I, we had some, some critical words for the first one. Yes. Um, but this one, I think, is, like, pretty perfect, actually. Yeah, I, like I said, that one key plot point should be there. But other than that, I'm cool with it. Yeah. So, uh, as usual, we generated a random number. And then we wrote our own summaries based on that number. For this episode, the number is 49. Of course, because I wrote mine last minute, so it was as close to 50 as humanly possible without being 50. Without being 50, I know. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. What's a budding romance novelist and new money heiress to do when her parents want to auction her off to the highest bidder? Why get a sexy Earl who definitely doesn't want her cash to drop her off at a writer's colony on his way to Scotland, of course? Yeah. There you go. (laughs) I couldn't improve, so I wrote the same thing, but shorter. Violet is committed to her boyfriend, but he isn't quite so committed to her, so she decides to run off to a nano-remo rather than marry an aristocrat. He's decided to trick her into thinking running off to Scotland to marry was her idea. Sexy times ensue before marriage. That's very true. Also, is that how you pronounce that? I don't know. I don't know. I've always said NaNoWriMo. But Fine. NaNoWriMo. I don't know. 
I look, I'm not saying that my way of pronouncing it is correct. <laughs> yeah, so for those of you who don't know, NaNoWriMo Remo is National Novel Writing Month. Yeah. So it's meant to be inspiration for writers. I've never participated. I actually don't know why I know this. I don't know why I know this either. I've never participated in this. But she runs off to a, like, convent for misplaced women or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, let's get to the tropes. Just like the first book in the series, this is a fortune hunter book. Yes, and he, unlike a lot of these where it's running off to Gretna Green, this is post the era where you had to have a residency requirement in Scotland in order to get married. So he's trying to run her north to his Scottish estate, yep. which she's too ignorant of the English slash Scottish countryside to be aware of where they're taking their turns. Yeah, so... So it is, it's a combo fortune hunter slash road trip romance. Yes. And I really liked the combo. I'm going to be honest. You know me. I'm not a huge fortune hunter. Like someone says, this is a fortune hunter romance. I'm like, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll read it eventually. Yeah. But I, I really liked the combo. It reminded me a tiny bit of um, Devil in Winter. So <laughs> just a little bit. Well, the, the whole let's dash off to Scotland together and not tell anyone. Uh, yeah, in Devil in Winter, they were both in on it. Yes. I said a tiny bit. <laughs> She's trying to dash off to a, like, Northwest England writing colony. Yes, that's true. She, she wants to join an artist colony, which I also really kind of liked. I liked that part of the book. thought it was fun. I liked her seizing independence with both hands and not waiting for her brother or her sister to rescue her. Mm-hmm. I get that she thought neither of her parents would have heard her out otherwise. So what he does do is he, he doesn't always mean to kidnap her. He does always mean to marry her. So he's had his eye on Violet from the first book. And he assumes that her cash is there to buy a title. So he goes to her father and he's like, yep, I, I am an Earl. I will marry your second daughter. But the dad's like, actually, I already have someone else in mind. And unless you can offer me more than him, sorry. And it's for the record, more than this other guy, not in terms of what they will give the daughter. But what they will give Crenshaw Ironworks his company. Yep. So, I look, I'm going to say I just loved it. I loved the furthering of the father as the villain. I loved the fact that there... It, because this doesn't get, does not get examined very much in these books. It's usually Fortune Hunter or it's usually American Money buying a title. But that's it. There's nothing further. But in here, there's actually a point. There's, it's not just the title. There's more. Right. And I really liked that. I liked that part. And I like that that part isn't just about buying entree into the English aristocracy, but also about what it will mean for their status back in New York as well. Yep. There, there's just a lot of things that I, I was very convinced, very interested, and I thought it went further than a lot of the books do. Yeah. And I liked it a lot. So Christian 
this this falls into several different layers. Like, yes, he's interested in her money, but he is not impoverished. Right. In the way a lot of fortune-hunting aristocrats are. And he is particularly interested in her. Like, yep. he wasn't really hunting an heiress until he saw her, was into her, and realized she was an heiress. And then it was like, well, I gotta pick somebody. Might as well be somebody smoking hot with a lot of money. <laughs> Why not, you know? <laughs> I like the way you think, Lee. Worse reasons, you know? Yeah. Uh, okay, so there's a road trip romance. He's a fortune hunter. Of course, there's a carriage accident. I, I feel like I'm not spoiling all that much if I say this. I don't know. Is that a huge spoiler lane? No, I think Kurt Comfort is not a spoiler. Okay. So big surprise. There is something happens and they don't make it to either his estate or the writer's colony. And they have to pretend to be married, of course. And of course, this plays into the romance trope of everyone else is being like, he is so into you. He definitely wants to be with you. And she's like, nah, he's just helping me out. Yes. She's like super insecure about the hurt comfort stuff and like her injuries. And he's, and she's like, I just, I'm afraid my husband doesn't want me. <laughs> yeah. And the people taking care of them are like, girl, he's burning <laughs> your clothes off with his eyeballs. I love it. And then, of course, there's a lot of forced proximity because they're pretending to be married and there's a hurt comfort aspect. So. And even when they're not hurt comfort, like they're trapped together in a carriage. Yes, although the carriage is not as sexy as it could have been. Correct. That is all I will say about that. A lot of this book takes place in a carriage and there should have been more carriage makeouts. I think that's a universal statement. That's a universal statement. Every book should have more carriage makeouts. Even books with some of the best carriage makeouts in them could have more, and I would be fine with that. Yeah. I, I think um, this did not have enough for sure. Mm-hmm. No. This also had the um, marriage contract negotiations. Definitely did. Oh. So the first one did and the second one did. Yeah. Because he goes to her father, and because of the compromising situation they were in, he offers incredibly low amounts of money. That's true. You do remember that. But it's not the informal marriage contract. Right. It's not, not, sorry, it's not a marriage contract negotiation between the two parties. It's between him and her father, and she's getting it all secondhand, and it's very dramatic. Correct. Okay, good. So what did you think of this book? Um, okay, well, I thought it was pretty fun. Yeah. However, um, I read it three, four days ago, and it has already merged in my brain with other similar books. So I think it was really, really fun, but I don't think it was super original or distinctive. Yeah, I, I would say it actually reminded me of the first book in that. These books aren't like groundbreaking. They are yeah. really, they're really fun to read, but there's nothing in there where I'm like, wow, this is so unique and so new. Yeah. So I mentioned in my summary that Violet is a budding romance novelist. So she, this is something we see in a lot of books, 
a lot of romance novels as well. Mm -hmm. um, either they're writers or they're, they're romance novel consumers, which makes total sense because if you are reading this book, then of course you're going to identify with someone who wants to write or read a romance novel. Right. So it doesn't bug me or anything, but I have to admit, I really liked that all of her steamy scenes that she was writing were written about him. <laughs> I loved it. It's so, so silly. And I just thought it was so much fun. I actually lost. So, okay. I liked her insecurity about him reading her manuscript and identifying this sexy character as himself. She made the choice to start every chapter with an excerpt from this fake book. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't like it because I thought, especially in the later chapters, the. Way those quotes were used and what they telegraphed about the scene Mm -hmm. to me didn't seem to match up with where she was at in the text in terms of writing the book. Yeah. That, I, like, that, that just didn't yeah. work for me as a structure. I feel like it's a criticism that we have a lot about excerpts from letters or novels or whatever. Sometimes we're like, this matches the plot of the book that I'm reading too closely. Yeah. And I, I'd be fine, honestly, if there'd been some throwaway line in the end about how she modified the text to match their situation. Mm -hmm. But that didn't exist. It was like she she talks about writing most of the book in a period of forced separation for the two of them. Right. And before there, there was any resolution. And I felt like they were really vaguely worded in a way to, like, not let you know what she decided and what the conflict in her book was. Right. And it honestly frustrated me more. I'm like, what am I supposed to be reading into this? I can't tell. Yeah. I just liked it on a surface level that she's writing her romantic hero. And it's him, obviously. Yeah. Lord Lucifer. Yes. <laughs> I like it. I, I like it. What can I say? I can't, but I love it. So... I don't know. I I liked the mixture. I liked the play on Fortune Hunter because it, I feel like Fortune Hunter was like the structure, the overarching structure. But then there was this road trip romance that really was the main trope that I really liked. I also think it's interesting. He's lying to her about the circumstances of her being in his carriage, but not about the fact that he's interested in her money. Mm hmm. And I feel like a lot of Fortune Hunter books end up being about either a dude entrapping an unwilling young heiress into matrimony or a guy trying to court a woman for legitimate reasons, but she ends up being offended when she finds out he needs her money or whatever. That was interesting that this was a Fortune Hunter book, but her money wasn't the conflict. Yes, yeah. But it is, I mean, the money wasn't the conflict, but the conflict was related to... The fortune hunting thing. It was, it yeah. is the conflict of a fortune hunter book. No, it is so. a fortune hunter book, but I'm saying like why we don't like most of them, but we kind of liked this. Yes. I think it has to do with the fact that he's not trying to convince her in like a London season that even though everyone knows he's poor, he's into her for real reasons, even though he's not. Or he's not trying to pretend like he's actually rich. So he's mortgaged his final house to buy his boots from Hobie right. or whatever. You know? Exactly. 
There's not yes. that level of like financial deception in the same way. Yes. And okay. So yes, there was sort of like, like he meant to kidnap her. Yes. But it didn't really turn into a kidnapping until the end of the book. Kind of, sort of. He, 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 okay. So he thinks of what he's doing as kidnapping her. And she doesn't. She thinks he's taking her to the writing retreat. Right. And like for like eight tenths of the way there, it's the same road. Right. And he makes the decision to deviate from the path that would take her where he said to the morning he decides to tell her the truth. So he says to the driver, head on to Scotland with the plan that she'll never really figure out. He made the decision first because he's going to tell her that day. But then, of course, hijinks ensue. Something happens and he's not able to come clean. (laughs) Right. So it's this is, I guess, technically sort of a kidnapping book, but. Not really. I don't know. Right. Like, he doesn't put a bag over her head and shove her in the car. Right. And I'm not trying to split hairs and say that he was, like, totally ethical and everything he did was above board. But I also don't think he, like, kidnapped her. Right. Right? So. She was an un... This is not a Stockholm Syndrome book. I think that's what we're trying to get at. Yeah. We're not trying to split hairs over his motives or were they okay or was what he did criminal. We're just trying to say, like, this is not a situation where, like, a woman falls for her captor. Yes. She's not being held captive. I honestly do think that if any time she had said, like, truly made the decision, I want to leave, I want to go home, he would have facilitated it. He wouldn't have, like, stuffed her into the carriage and continued on his way. He would have put her on a train to go home or something, you know? Or to the... If she'd caught on to the fact that he was not taking her in the most expeditious route to her desired destination and had called him out on it, I don't think he would have, like, chloroformed her or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> right. He would have maybe tried to persuade her. I have a question. words. <laughs> and this might be that I'm just mixing this up with other books. One of the things I really didn't get here was the urgency. Mm-hmm. So she's... On this road trip, warming up to him, spoiler alert. And she starts talking about how, like, she wants to see him in the future and she wants to get to know him better. And, like, he's not impoverished. He doesn't have creditors breathing down his neck. The only urgency I could tell from the text is that she's engaged to this other person. Mm-hmm. But she seemed to believe, he seemed to believe, the plot seemed to convince you that once she got to this writer's retreat, she would be anonymous and safe long enough for her brother and sister to find her and protect her from her parents. Right. So I sort of didn't understand why upon starting to fall for her, he kept up this, we got to be married by Tuesday or whatever scheme. Well, I mean, I think that, I think it was in character for him to be convinced of the urgency. Okay. So I don't think necessarily there was an actual logistical reason for the urgency, but I think he had made a plan and he wanted to stick to it, basically. I will also say I think he was probably a little, I don't know, nervous, anxious that when her sister and brother got there, they would convince 
her not to correspond with him, that he was like totally a bad guy. So I think there were a couple of factors. He didn't want to leave anything to textual. Well, I don't disagree with that. I wish that had been in the text. Yeah. Yeah. True. But yeah. And so I, I think for him, he was like, okay, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to get married. That's it. Um, but yeah, she definitely, she had decided that she really liked him. Uh, and in fact, I thought <laughs> she was reflecting what I was thinking, which was, she was like, why isn't he like coming on to me? <laughs> and I was like, that's a really good question, Violet, because I want some more carriage makeouts. I know I've already said that, but I'm saying it again. Yeah. I also thought it was kind of bullshitty. This is minor spoiler, minor, that somehow they orchestrated it so they only had one condom. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Blow my yeah. fucking brains out because trope alert when birth control is explicitly discussed, guess what's going to happen? Yeah. So I will say that this followed this did follow the structure of the first book where I was a little frustrated with both of them with the final conflict. Yes. Why do they have to be separated? The only thing I will say is there was sex post revolution resolution. There was sex post resolution. I love the idea of post revolution sex. Like uh, that that okay. That was the sex in um of silk and steam. <laughs> I was going to say, if there's ever been sex, like, in Les Mis or whatever, if there's some fanfic. I'm sure there has been. But I was thinking of Leo and um, Mina. I know what you were thinking of. My brain went somewhere else. Yeah, that's fair. Totally fair. But yeah, they're apart for way too fucking long. Yes. He was, he had come pretty clean with her that's... prior to her brother arriving. Yeah. She was at the, here's my problem. He'd admitted he was scheming. Yes. Yes, in the interest of giving her an accurate picture without going into detail, he'd left out some specifics. But I actually didn't think the specifics he'd left out were a big deal. Yeah. Like, I thought the stuff he'd told her was a way bigger deal than the stuff he hadn't. So I sort I of didn't understand her being like, this betrayal is unfathomable. Because, yeah. like, you kind of knew where he started and you know he's not there anymore. Yeah, I, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to, like, minimize the fact that he did lie to her. Right. But she knew that he lied to her about a lot of shit. And then this and was, like, this worked one. through it together. Exactly. So I, I was, like, really enjoying that part of the book, actually. I was Same. like, great. And so then this, the fact that. I would have really liked that the conflict at the end, you know this, look, you know this about me. I would have loved the conflict had been, would have been external. So yeah. like her father's like, I don't care that you were, you know, lost in the woods for a week with this dude. You're still marrying this guy, for example. Yeah. And then they had to work together to like true, like elope together, like purposely elope together, for example. Yeah. That said, I did really like his groveling. I did too. I hated her mindset during that whole period. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, me too. But I liked his decision to deal with the situation. Yeah. Yeah. 
So content warnings. So I look, he lies to her a lot. He lies to her a lot. I think the issue, and this is an issue I think with a lot of fortune hunter romances and maybe is part of my issue with them. Been thinking about it a lot because we've read a lot of fortune hunters recently. And I think that it's because it impacts um, the consent, the sexual consent. Because it's like, would she actually consent to have sex with him if she actually knew the truth about why he was with her? I'm not saying it's like rape or anything like that. Right. Like there's nothing like that, but there is the whole relationship is founded on a lie. And that speaks to something about like, am I actually consenting to this relationship? Right. So I'm like, yes, that is present in this book. I don't think it's as present in this one as it is in other fortune hunter books, but I'm thinking this may be one of my larger issues with the trope. Right. Is there is a level of dishonesty when sexual contact happens. Correct. Whether or not that dishonesty is about sex is sort of irrelevant. Right. Exactly. Um, So my biggest problem with this book is the guy that her parents have decided she is going to be with forever and ever is, like, incredibly odious Mm -hmm. in an effort to expedite the marriage or whatever, corners her one day in a room and it leads to her having to physically harm him to get away from him. Mm-hmm. And props to her as a romance novel heroine in this era, goes right to mom and says, this is what this guy did to me. And her mom basically poo-poos it. Like, I'm sure it's not what you thought. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure he's just eager to marry you. And I found that one of the things we really liked about the first book is the parents were like, Typical of the era, but still loving. Right. And I felt like they degenerated into villains in this book much more explicitly. And a lot of that nuance that I really admired in the first book was lost. They were definitely villainous in this book. And and the thing is, I feel like they presented her other suitor as such an awful guy that my new retcon ending would have worked perfectly, actually. so Yeah. Anyway. Oh, yeah. There was this uh, another trope. She, um, her parents did try to buy off former suitors. Oh, Teddy. Yeah. Yeah. We see that a lot where like wealthy parents as a way to prove like he wasn't good enough for you. Well, if he took the money instead of you, do you really want him? Right. We've seen that a ton. And I mean, the truth is like, no. And she says that. She's like, the point wasn't whether I wanted him or not. The problem was you making this decision for me. Yeah. I was already falling out of love with him. Yeah. I would have gotten there on my own. You You didn't didn't have to waste the money, guys. God. Well, you also didn't have to (laughs) go behind my back to facilitate (laughs) this. Like, I'm just just being stupid. Uh, So, sexiness. How sexy was this book? This one was a mixed bag for me. Yeah. I thought it was for sure sexier than the first book. I agree with that. hmm And I was pretty into their relationship when they're pretending to be married. 
Well, I'm always into that. And this was the trope that you brought up earlier where the other people around them are like, she's like, oh, I don't know. And they're like, you think he doesn't want you? He totally wants you. Yeah. Oh, and trope, he sees her getting out of the bath. There's a witness moment. <laughs> There's a witness moment. I loved it, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the longing. I hated that all the sex up to the ending was filled with dishonesty. Mm-hmm. And I thought her reason from staying away from him was stupid. So even yeah. though they'd like gotten rid of the conflict by the time they had sex with him, had sex in the end. I mean, we're at the very end of the episode, so super spoiler alert. Stop here if you don't want to know. I fucking hate it when they end up pregnant. Yeah, I don't disagree. Because I think and like, I hate it when I hate it when they keep it a secret. They keep it a secret, and it also like complicates the decision making. Yeah, like is she picking him independently, or is she picking like giving a father to her child? Like ultimately, they're married and they were forced to get married. So it's not like a question of will the kid be illegitimate, but it still doesn't feel like a resolution to their relationship so much like a bow that resolves this final conflict. Yeah. Would would you be interested? I've never read a book with with this setup. Would you be? Uh, there's probably contemporaries out there um, with this setup. What if it had started with he got her pregnant? They had to get married. And then it's like five years later, and she's like, "Okay, let's let's try this for the sake." of I our thought life. about this. If this book, like, if the whole book had been the prologue to a marriage in a crisis novel, right? Her mm-hmm. parents just like don't care. And he, thank you guys so much for listening. We would love it if you would rate, review, subscribe. Check us out around the internet on Goodreads slash Plotrist, our Instagram at Plotrist, and tell your friends how much you love the podcast. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Either. I thought the conflict was dumb. Yeah. So I think if the conflict was the prelude to a whole book, I'd be sitting there going, well, the conflict of this book was dumb. That said, we were truly in love. He got me pregnant before the wedding night. We were forced to marry for propriety after I learned he didn't want me for the reasons I thought all along. And he has spent the last five years repenting. Mm-hmm. You'd have to give me a really good reason she stayed away from him for five years, and this book didn't. Right. She didn't stay away from him for five years. I want to be very clear, but I'm just, like, hypothetically talking about, like, this idea. I don't know. I don't don't like marriage in crisis enough. Yeah, me neither. I I read one. I did read one once where there was a love match. They had a kid. The kid died. This is all prologue. And then... It, that precipitated a crisis in their marriage as it. I think we reviewed that for the podcast. No, I don't think so. Pretty sure we didn't. It's a different one. Um, okay. Anyway, that's, that's the only one I can think of that has sort of a similar-ish premise. I don't know. I, I would be willing to read such a book. I think, in a way, in Lord Holt Takes a Bride, her parents are that couple. Oh, oh, that's true. I don't disagree with you. That's an interesting take. <laughs> Coming soon.
on plot trips. Lord Holt makes the bride. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening. We would love it if you would rate, review, subscribe. Check us out around the internet on Goodreads slash Plot Trists, our Instagram at Plot Trists, and tell your friends how much you love the podcast.